Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the Figure Podcast. Each week we figure out people, numbers and images of the past, present and future. And this week we are joined by Delilah Montague. Welcome. Hello, thank you. It's an exciting week for you because your EP came out. Yeah. And just to clear up, an EP, mm. what is an EP as opposed to an album? So an EP is a shorter album. Okay. So it can be any amount of songs really, but mine's four. Okay. An album's usually way longer. Okay. It's like a pre-album. Okay. And was it nerve-wracking, exciting? So exciting. So exciting. So I think it was nerve-wracking before, but now, now because I finished it so long, like a few months ago, so now that it's out, I'm just... Yeah. You're just so quite relieved. relieved. I'm yeah. so relieved. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose there's a quite a lot, is there quite a lot building up to it? Did you, yeah. Or? Yeah, massively. Yeah. Massively. And loads of preparation, so... Mm. Friday kind of just felt like not really a big deal, yeah. but I'm just mm. I'm so happy that people can hear it now, and like the feedback so far has been so nice. Okay, yeah, of course, good. of course. Really good. <laughs> Got your like two biggest fans. Yeah, I mean, to thanks to both of you, literally. <laughs> Well, honestly, when because I kept on, I kept on keeping track of Temptation when it came out, I and when you that. got over, so you were like fifty thousand downloads, a hundred thousand downloads, and yeah. I was like, mm. I'm responsible for a good thousand. Really, yeah, this of is those. me. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm so excited, and I keep on like looking at <laughs> yeah, it. Like we, uh, yeah, uh, but outside of the EP and I suppose music this week or this last couple of weeks, has there been anything that you have sort of been reading or watching, kind of that takes your mind kind of away from it, or has it been so kind of? Like, what's your escapism? That's interesting because that's been the one thing that recently I've realised. I need to have more of an escapism. I need to have something that takes me away from it because it's so all-consuming. Because mm. it's my job and it's my hobby and it's my passion. Yeah. And most of my friends are in this, doing the kind of similar kind of thing. Mm. Um, and the people I work with are almost like the boundary of mm. a colleague and a just a friend or like even a family yeah. member it's so blurred yeah that um I've realized I kind of I need I need to have a boundary where I kind of switch off from it because it is very consuming mm. Mm. and I'm knackered in a good way but yeah already <laughs> knackered and yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah what about you Charles what have you been up to this so week in terms of reading and escapism well yeah what is everyone's escapism escapism yes love um, it's actually really good Love Island. It's in a really good escape. You just switch off from whatever you're doing and you're just like kind of mind-numbingly mm-hmm. interesting. And you just like, and you care so yeah. much yes. about these yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other things that I've been watching, so I have watched The Call to Courage by Brené Brown and I just keep on re-watching this amazing talk that she's done. She's incredible. Yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know, she is a shame and vulnerability researcher and now she's become an author and a public speaker. And there are just so many points of that Netflix talk that resonate with me and then I just find something new every single time I watch it. And I absolutely love it. And I listened to a podcast earlier with uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Mm. And she has a podcast called Magic Lessons. And it's all about creativity. And it's just such a beautiful conversation. And she talks about creativity as the only unique contribution that you will make in this world is born of creativity. Mm. Which I think is such a beautiful sentence. I like, the, I like the the idea that everyone is creative. They don't. Nec- they just don't necessarily use it or know how to use it. Totally. Mm. And growing yeah. up at school, was st- I was always like, I wasn't that great at art. Always told I wasn't very good. Uh, 
like singer. Um, so I just thought, oh, music, not very good at them. Mm. Therefore, I'm not creative. Mm-hmm. It's just not. But she true talks about how everybody e- is creative. Exactly, everyone yeah, is creative. Of course, I love her. Yeah, she's great. And I also love Elizabeth Gilbert. So one of the things that I reread recently was Eat, Pray, Love. Mm. And I don't know if you guys have ever done this, where you've reread a book, but several years afterwards, and it's really strange because it kind of takes you back to who you were mm. when you first read it. And then you show it shows you kind of how much you've moved on and very different things speak to me on that mm. book now that I'm reading it five years later than they did when I first read it. And it just seems to get better, this book. It's mm. just so good. I love it. Baby Pray Love is a good, is a good one. Mm. Uh, the, 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 I think the thing that I've been sort of binge uh, listening to this week has been season three of Where Shall We Begin? Esther Perel is a psychotherapist. I guess she specialises in intimacy and relationship therapy. And each episode is a different couple talking about, with through with her, all of all the sorts of things that are going on in their lives and how they met and the kind of dynamics that are going on within their relationship. Um, and me, my, me and my boyfriend are both obsessed with it. In fact, he introduced me to it. And I think it's because you just have a... It's just a curiosity to like le- to learn more and to kind of what we were talking about like is this normal is this not normal like is mm-hmm. this dynamic and you're like you never know. you're like boom mm. that's oh my god i relate to that dynamic or mm. oh i can see that trait or oh isn't it just interesting just you know learning more about the human condition mm-hmm. um so oh, that's so what's it called where, where shall we begin so the first figure is of course our guest delilah who i've i've basically known you my like your entire life. Oh, my entire life. Yeah. So I'm two years older, and I probably met you when you. I don't know. I can't remember because I was so little. But our parents have known each like other for fun. years. It must have yeah, been, uh... and then we went on holiday together every year mm-hmm. for seven Bella. years oh. and had the best time in Dream. France and Italy. Um, and we just kind of grew up together in our summers, didn't we? Mm. And now I get to see you as a performer and singer songwriter, and I love all of your music. <laughs> So you went to Beedale's yeah, school yeah. and then you left at 18 mm-hmm. and then you decided not to go to university. Did you get resistance from people saying, oh, you should be going to university? Interestingly not because I think I'd always done music. Mm-hmm. So I'd, it was funny, I actually said to people, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a year off and then I'm going to go to uni mm. um, and everyone was kind of being like yeah take the year take mm. two <laughs> just try and mm. do music and I was like okay um, and then yeah it was like my second week of living in London and it all just started happening which was just mad very unplanned yeah and very and it feels so recent still mm. and it, like, it feels recent for me as well because I remember coming to stay with you on your houseboat yeah. which is the coolest yeah. thing ever and you yeah. were just like, yeah, I've, um, loads of people have been getting in contact mm. and I don't know how so, they found yeah, me. That was at the very beginning, yeah. Yeah. Because you'd done a few gigs, is that right? And then word did of mouth one. just spread. Yeah. Wow. One, was it one, one performance? Gig. I did one gig. And so did you know who would be in the audience? Like, no idea. So my it. friend, my friend Sam was playing at the Troubadour and he was like, do you want to come down and support me? It's like a little club in Earl's Court. He was like, do you want to come down and support me? So I was like, yeah, sure. So I took yeah. my guitar and I just played like five songs. And someone was in the audience who then really? asked for my email and then the next day they were like, oh, can you send me a demo? And I didn't know what a demo was. And a demo is usually like a properly kind of... Yeah. I just like got my voice memos. I played Temptation on the piano and just recorded it mm. and then sent it off to him. 
And then the next day it was just like insane. I think it's just this hot, some hype thing where they just kind of someone got excited and then mm. someone got excited because they were excited and then it kind of like yeah. mm, that's amazing. Yeah. Do you think that the fact that you didn't have an online presence and you didn't have music videos on YouTube and things upped the hype? I think I think it made the hype. Yeah, it made it very mysterious, and so I think it actually ended up helping me. Because And also, I think maybe the fact that I really wasn't looking for it, if that makes sense, mm. I was kind of just very chill, mm. made it almost more attractive for some reason. I don't know. Mm. I'm not sure how it, how it worked, but it was very overwhelming, so I met with... Must have been, like, 15. And, were you, and you were 18 at that point? Yeah, I was 18. And so were you going to meet with those various people on your own? Or yeah. was your mum with you? Or, like... Like, no. I don't, know, I don't yeah. know why I say your mum, but like I just assume, you know, you know, because 18 is still so young. It is so young, um, I know. And, and how, did, did you know how to sort of n- like navigate through those meetings? Like, how like to... somehow I did, I guess, mm. but, but I don't know how. And I was, yeah, very much because I was living on my own on the houseboat, just doing my thing. <laughs> and like <laughs> just going to these meetings, like trotting yeah. off. And I, yeah, I met all these people. I think I just went with with how I felt about them as people mm-hmm. and then I was so lucky because I met my this guy called Paul Spragan who's my lawyer who's just I can he's an angel mm. and he's just the most amazing man and he kind of he was like right you're sticking with me like he kind of took me under his wing and then mm. introduced me to my manager mm. and I think those two people have been such core people mm-hmm. in all of this for me because they're such good human beings mm. and they've protected me from the beginning and so since then the team that I've kind of grown around me are just all such incredible people and I feel so lucky because it, mm. it could have gone completely the other way I think I met with so many different people and it would have been a totally different story mm. yeah. you know? and do you have other friends or colleagues in the music industry yeah. that have had that experience? oh my god honestly some I've got some really good friends who are so talented mm. And they've just been really fucked over mm. by by people in the music industry and by shadiness. And, you know, you hear about it so often, mm. especially with these major, major labels. Mm. It's just not my experience at all. That's yeah. so interesting. I think you've always been quite a good judge of character, though. I think, I think you've got quite a good sense of how mm. somebody is. I think, you know what, I must because of all of this. But also, from... I think... So from it kind of like start starting with Paul, mm. because he's so great, mm. he attracted and like people. Do you people, know what I mean? Yeah. And he would, yeah. yeah. So it was really. I feel really, really lucky. Mm. To so when did you sign your record deal? Is that what they call it still? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And was that <laughs> these days? There's so much jargon. You know, like what does EP <laughs> yeah, mean? It's so does... true. It's <laughs> and, 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 and also, kind of leads to my next question: was was there a moment where? you felt, this is a commitment, this is yeah. happening right now. Yeah. I, I'm actually going to be releasing music officially, you know. Did you, you have that what? moment ever? Weirdly, so I so I was working with my manager and then I moved I was, I moved to New York and I was there just writing and I got this call and he, my manager was like, right, Ferdy wants to fly back to London just to, for you to sing. And I went to my dad's house in the living room and sang him like three songs. Yeah. Um, who's Ferdy's who who was head of Columbia here. Um and he was like, Right, okay, I would like to sign you. <laughs> and I was on the day. Yeah. At that moment yeah. literally just after you sang. All, yeah, it was all like bloody hell, really. And so with that, for me the the reason why we why I signed with him is because he's just 
another like angel person mm-hmm. um so talented so great um but otherwise I don't think I would have it wasn't a thing that we were looking for but even then despite the formal like I mean it's such a it's a really formal process and it's a real commitment because mm. you're signing off a long time of your life mm. to these people and it's like okay this is business like, yeah. music, it was business yeah. very weird um but even then it didn't sink in properly that I would be because I didn't release music until about a year after that I was just nothing really changed mm. other than I had more people around me to support me, and I met everyone at Columbia who also just so lovely. Um, to be honest, I don't think it, it still hasn't... There's been mm. no change. Like, mm. releasing music, me now compared to me before I met everyone or me working on releasing the EP, I don't feel any different. It just feels really natural. Mm. And, like, yeah... It's just, just a constant process. Yeah, it doesn't feel like, oh, this is new. It's like, well, Do you feel, like, more confident... Yeah, much. Since I think, you started. I think much more... But I think mm. due to a lot of... Due to a lot of life experience I've had in the past two years that's fed into my music and helped me mm. realise that maybe... Like, maybe this is just... What's, I've, I've always felt very unworthy, very shocked and unworthy and, like, mm. why do these incredible people want to work with me? Like, mm. why is this happening? But mm. I'm coming to a place with it now where it's like, OK, well, maybe that's just what it is and it's... Mm. Just mm. a na- it's natural. So it's like imposter syndrome. Massive. Mm. I've got such imposter syndrome. Mm. I say I it every day to my manager yeah. on the phone. I'm like, <laughs> he'll tell me something good or something, and I'll be like, what? Like, why are you all so nice to me? <laughs> and he's like, it's because yeah. you know, it's a win-win. Like, so, so the other weird moment was, do you remember when we we met up for drinks, and it was just after you had recorded the um, track for David Guetta. Oh my god, and I just found out that they'd wanted to, yeah. So we were all there together, and and we were were like, how was your day? (laughs) And you were just like, this is really weird, like, this is really weird, I've had a really weird day. And you're like, what happened? You're like, no, 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 it's really weird. Oh my god, Because how did that come about? So I was just in the studio with my friends, recording a song that I'd written, and then, this is just before I saw you guys, Mm. so funny, um... And I got sent through from Ferdy this demo and then this, this instrumental of this song, Drive. Mm. And then there was instrumental and they were like, can you just try singing it and then send it back? And I was like, sure. Didn't know what it was. Sang it, sent it back and then got to the pub with you guys and they, Ferdy texted me like, yeah, they're going to use it. And I was like, who? <laughs> I was like, what, really? <laughs> okay. Was that wow. also very strange? Because the first thing that came out of yours was not a song that mine. you'd written. Yeah. And it was very different in terms of the like style of music to what you actually do yourself. Weirdly, I think it was such a blessing because it took out any possible kind of ego, really, that I could... Because I think I've always... You know, as in, you know, you're like, this is my music and I'm an yeah. artist and I'm a songwriter and blah, blah, mm. blah. And doing that just kind of made it all like, actually, you know what's about the music and the song mm. and what's best for the song. Mm-hmm. And if it's a cool song that I can sing. That was totally in, our anthem last summer. Oh, Every I love time, it. Yeah. I just, we listen to it so much. I know. Me, I was, you, recording. I me- when I messaged you on Tuesday, like on Wednesday, she yeah, like, thanks yeah. so much. for I saw what I'd sent you previously, which was three videos of Charlotte, George and I <laughs> in a car driving with <laughs> drive on. To drive. This is, this is how cool we are. <laughs> that we just play drive in the car. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, love we it. do yeah. that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, please, you know what? It was amazing because it's it's 
that genre of music so I've never listened to mm. so being able to sing it and then for it to mean so much like in South Africa it's like people it's beautiful because it's Black Coffee and Black David Guetta and Delilah Monsky and me yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> down yeah. there um, but it's just beautiful being a part of it and performing in South Africa being able to perform it was just the most like humbling experience of my life I think yeah. Ever, wow! Ever. I was going what, to ask you, like, what, yeah, what was your what's like your biggest? Thirty thousand people. So it, bigger than the O2. Was that to... was that your biggest performance? Yeah, like your biggest yeah, audience. Was it the far. most nerve wracking? No. What has been your most nerve wracking? Good question. School, like school concert. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah. yeah. So when did you first put start performing at school? How old were you? Um. I've always, I mean, like twelve. Wow. I mean, when I was, I mean, I did that. Have you seen that video with the orchestra? So funny. No. This orchestra, when I was like eight, my village orchestra performed one of my songs and they all, like, the choir sang it and I was there with the piano. Like, so. <laughs> Wait, so you've written this song? Yeah. I'll oh show you the video. God. It's really adorable. It's really, wow. yeah. That's um, amazing. Because I, always... I do remember you coming one summer in France and you had your guitar. Mm-hmm. And because I was also really young, I didn't really think anything of it because yeah. you must have been about eight. Yeah. And so I was about ten. And I thought, oh, that's cool. Delilah's right, writing some music. Songs. And now I look back on it and I think, oh, my God, you were eight. Yeah, yeah. And you were <laughs> didn't go anywhere writing songs and mm. like, playing and we were singing Atomic Kitten mm. on the karaoke machine. It's a <laughs> Do people ever ask you um, what your songs like? What your songs are inspired by? Mm. Because every time I listen, every time I listen to you, I always think. Like, and then, but either it, sometimes consciously or sometimes in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, I wonder what was that was about. Or I wonder what that mm. was inspired by. Or I draw my own ex- or I get my own experience. I'm like, mm. oh, I can relate to that. You know, um, particularly a song. It's called Angel. Yeah, Angel. Yeah, really, really resonated. Like, really, really resonated with me. So, do, do people ask you that often mm, um, about kind of yeah, the, they the, do. what inspires you? Yeah, a, yeah, from your songs. Yeah, and it's a hard one. I find it's a hard one because for me, I love like with music. I love the fact that I can listen to like I'll listen to like Cow King or something, and to me, it will mm. it will mean so much about somebody that I know or my old home, if I listen to it at home again. Um, and sometimes hearing about what it's about taints it for me. But then at the same time, there are other times when I listen to people and then I hear the story and it makes the whole song, mm. like like Leonard Cohen, like Chelsea Hotel song. Mm. So what's the story Janis behind Joplin, that? It's about Janis Joplin, about an affair that they had for a night and, it's, and it makes the whole song kind of, oh, it's Come magical. Alive. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. a tricky one, but for me, a lot of my songs are, are based on experiences that I've had or that other people have had that I've been really inspired by, mm. um, or even time periods. Mm. Um, like ne- next to me, that's on the EP, is just about. That's not it's a specific. It's not about a specific time when I was driving through <laughs> tall trees. <laughs> it's yeah. about it's about how I felt at, it, at that like six month period of my life. Yeah. Mm. Sort of like. So much was changing. Mm. Yeah. And I missed the... I kind of wanted to move... I kind of wanted to move into the future and, but take the past with me, kind of, like, have the yeah. past here while moving. Yeah. It's sort of incredible that songs can do that, that they can... Yeah. 
it can mean a they can thousand be so different personal. things for all sorts of individuals. Oh, yeah. I think that's the And inspire all this. You know, they can one be so my, personal and so universal at the same time. One of my favourite lyrics um, from Temptation is where it's like the bat, your hand hovering over the backseat mm. like that in my mind was like oh my gosh it's, mm-hmm. it's immediately you can just mm. feel that's like visceral and to everyone that's going to mean something different mm. yeah. Um, yeah and as someone who hasn't ever written a song um I, I might do <laughs> <laughs> um yes. I haven't yet um it, it just I'm fascinated by is there a process at all or a sort of formula that you use mm. can you write a song on command or is it very much kind of organically comes about mm. for me i i just sit down at the piano or the guitar and i just start playing and singing mm. and then i'll put my voice memos on record and i'll just play mm. for like however you know it could be hours sometimes mm. and i'll sing and they'll sing the words mm. and then i'll kind of go over it again and again and again until eventually there's some kind of i've kind of I'm able to sing the song um, and then I listen back to it and I had to, and it's really interesting how I only know what it's about after when I listen back to it when I'm writing it I'm not for me I'm not conscious and I'm not I'm not oh I feel really sad about this so mm. I'm going to write it I just start playing and whatever comes out is exactly is exactly how I feel at the time With that's extraordinary and it's fascinating because it it, help, it does help me realise Maybe sometimes I care more about something than I think I do because it comes out in the song and I'm like, oh, shit, that's really... Yeah. Yeah. I feel lucky, actually, to be able to process. It's just my way of processing life, to be honest. The second figure that we're going to be talking about this week is that there are over 30 million songs on Spotify as of May of last year, so I can imagine there'd be quite a lot more. You now. weren't on Spotify that time no, last year. Absolutely love Spotify. I think what makes Spotify really unique is all the playlists mm. and all the like, Discover weeklies. I absolutely love that about Spotify. But what I wanted to ask you about is how... Because when, when, even when we were teenagers, like going on iTunes, it's like 70p, 79p a song, mm. or YouTube Converter, which is people <laughs> did. Mm. Um, th- how has that changed now? Like, Is it to do with the amount of downloads you have like on that streaming platform like what is the sort of like how's how's music changed yeah since having those what's digital... the marker of success like but then success, i guess so to you, speak, you've never known it without it like being in the music industry but yeah i think yeah. there are a lot of stats i've seen i saw this i saw we were in a meeting the other day in Colombia, and i was looking over my shoulder at, um at someone was working she had the stats up for gold on her computer it was so interesting seeing there's all these kind of um, really technical things, and I think they can tell who's they can tell who's clicked on it and clicked off it, or tell who's clicked and listened to it for a certain amount of time. And I think it only counts as a play if you kind of get to a certain point in the song. Wow! Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, and what's I think what's amazing about the playlist thing is mm. that if your song, you could be just nobody. You just put you know New Music Friday playlist, yeah. which has like. Well, three million yeah. plays. Yeah, you're gonna get a lot of streams because so, you're on that playlist. Yeah. And you're were you get, on that playlist? Um, Temptation was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think it's the EP is actually some of it. Um, and you're on the most beautiful songs in the world playlist. Yeah, what, what 
Wow. Yeah. What an honour. I mean, but the thing is, you listen to it and not all of them are the most beautiful songs in the world. I wish I hadn't listened to it, you know? <laughs> there are some good ones on there. I do agree. Sometimes yeah. I don't know what that process is like. I wonder what who, whose who, job who is it to try it? and put together those playlists. Do people at like Columbia or like the record companies have like a preference to sort of Apple Music or Spotify? Like, are they? I'm assuming there's arrangements between. The, I don't know. Yeah, well, I think they all have relationships. So mm. the, the people who work at Columbia all have a relationship with YouTube and Apple and Spotify and Amazon, and they kind of and the radio and radio. So they all kind of work together in a way because it's kind of a win-win for everyone involved. If your artist is put is kind of put on the main pages of Apple Music or whatever, mm. Apple's winning out because... Do you know what I mean? So mm. it's kind of... It's interesting, though, because I think that sport, it's actually a really great thing. For me, as a new artist, I, th- I feel really lucky that there's so much freedom now in terms of getting your music played and listened to by mm. all these different kinds of people because Spotify has opened up this, the whole world and it's kind of scope. Like, some of my songs are on New Music Friday, um, South Africa, New Music Friday, New Zealand, Australia. Like, it's so cool, mm-hmm. yeah. Like has it, do you think it's also countries. changed this? I, I just feel like lots of women have this idea in their head that it's a competition and that yeah. you are against people. And I was thinking about how Spotify might have changed that because you're not really competing for someone's money anymore because they've already paid a flat fee or they're using free Spotify. Do you think it encourages like the collaborative mindset more than I want you to buy my song rather than someone else's? Mm, yeah, I think so. But I think equally, something that I hate is that you can see how many streams a song's had on Spotify. I think or that is, I think that is yeah. almost criminal. <laughs> like, yeah. for me, yeah. it feels so invasive and mm-hmm. so vulnerable. Totally. Because mm. I totally. wouldn't usually be that bothered, but the fact that it's just completely out there yeah. and it's so out of your control yeah. is... That must be so hard. horrible. It's actually horrible. Yeah. And I think it's... I don't think it... I think they need to change it. They really should change it because that breeds competitiveness totally. and that breeds insecurity and it's not it's not nice at all Mm. and it's almost like none it's none of our business like it's definitely not any of my business how many do you know what I mean yeah Mm. absolutely Mm. and it just it reinforces this thing to check and be like is that high enough is this good yeah you know it's like if people in our podcast could see how how many people listened Mm. you just be well what is good and what's bad like I don't know and exactly. People can make judgments, or maybe it's it's it might, yeah. It and must I was be talking really with a friend the other day how it's really interesting how, let's say you do really well in mm. something, suddenly the bar has become right. Okay, well then that's the bar, and mm-hmm. then you have to, and yeah. it's like, well, what if, what if it's never really going to reach that? And what if you don't really want it to? It mm-hmm. looks like you've kind of you're doing mm-hmm. less well. It's really interesting. It's not really about the numbers. It's I think totally. it's the same with people getting obsessed on how many likes they've got on Instagram it's the same or how thing. many followers or whatever. It's just people... When you have a number that you can compare, then it just ends up, I think, just making people really anxious. It's the same thing, and it's human nature, and I think it's it's always going to happen. But with mm. these 
kind of, I think with social media in general, because I guess Spotify is a form of social media in a way. Yeah. No, it, it is. is. It is. You're interacting with people you're seeing. And um, it's really destructive. Mm. I'm not into it at all. Don't like it. Do Apple Music have that? No, which is so much nicer. Yeah. Mm. And so then it's, you know, it's stupid, thi- it's stupid things. Like, I remember... I think it's been really interesting releasing music because for my ego especially, it's given, it's made me, it's so self-reflective, it's like a mirror being held up to how much you do care and what you care about and I remember there was a moment when I went into just like egomania for a few days after Temptation was released, no after Gold was released, Mm -hmm. Um, because you go into this, I went to this man and I was like oh well it's put on all the play it's been put on all the Apple music playlists, not Spotify, so no one's gonna know how well it's doing because on Spotify it's gonna say it's doing less you know, like this insane yeah. thing. It's like mm-hmm. actually and I I remember like having a moment and it was really good that I think that I went to that place because now I'm just like I really don't care because I was like, Why do I care? What's mm. it matter? it doesn't matter. Mm. Like, but I think if you give a human being numbers to measure yeah, anything, gonna, yeah, you, are, gonna, you, you, you can trip numbers. up. Definitely. Yeah. Do you find Instagram, Twitter, like, how's that whole world mm. as a new artist or as an artist, mm. as a human? How do you mm. enjoy? Do you enjoy that aspect of it? And I guess interacting with people. You know what? Yeah, I found it. I've always found. I've never really been a big fan of Instagram, mm. just because it's always made me feel a bit crap. Mm. Like for, for all the good it does, mm. ultimately. I feel a bit shit after after using it a lot. But I think I've had to come to terms with it a lot because I've realised that it's a major part of my job. Yeah. It's part mm. of my job and I have I have meetings at Columbia a lot about social media and I have these lovely people who that's their job is social media and seeing seeing it separating myself and my ego from it mm-hmm. is difficult but it's I have to do that, otherwise I get very depressed. And and it, you just get so self-obsessed and self-absorbed. But seeing it just as another aspect of making music, mm. and that's how I've had to see a lot of these things I'm not used to, like photo shoots and mm. interviews mm. and events. It's all part yeah. of... It's part of the process, isn't it? Yeah, and mm. I think I've really realised that the more accepting I am of it, better it is yeah. <laughs> because yeah. the more I fight against it what's mm. it going to do yeah. I mean it's not going to yeah. I suppose it's part of marketing the music like the yeah. Instagram is, yeah. is there as a tool to sort yeah. of help mm. get it out yeah. there mm. and I love talking to these yeah. I mean I think it's the other side of it is it's amazing yeah. I get these messages from Absolutely. these people it's beautiful messages about and how much my song has helped them or changed them or mm-hmm. And I love that, and I think... That must be amazing. It's amazing. Absolutely. It is amazing. I absolutely... Sometimes I'll catch your Instagram story and it'll be something really funny or something mm. that's just, like, mm. makes me laugh. And one time I caught myself mm. l- looking through a whole Q&A that you had done, and I was like, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I can't remember where I was, like, oh, on the thanks. bus or, like, the tube or something... And you know how sometimes you don't always get signal and you can, you know, sometimes you see something, you know, and then it goes. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so jokes. And then I, then I thought, oh, my God, that's so cool that you can just do that mm. with your audience and just be like, oh, ask me a question about this or it's what do you want to know? It? And, like, loads of people do, do that. And hopefully we can do that for the figure at some point. Mm. And just, but, you know, and interact and get those sort of quick questions isn't it amazing it's amazing yeah i think seeing it was really entertaining you're so right (laughs) seeing that i think recently i've 
seeing all the good in it mm. so much nicer because you go into it with much more of a mm. this is beautiful it actually is beautiful mm. and the same with Spotify the plus side of it is that it connects lots of yeah, other musicians and different countries mm. and yeah who are your most played um, artists on Spotify mine yeah mm. who inspires you Ooh. I think it's still it is still Leonard Cohen Carol King but I love Cecil Lizzo I love um, James Blake. Mm-hmm. Love Florence. Mm-hmm. I love John Mayer. John Mayer, fucking hell. <laughs> Every, all, all day. When I went, when we went to see him, oh, I felt like it was God, this weird so competition of who is more obsessed by, with John yeah, Mayer. Yeah. Out of the people yeah, that went yeah. there, it was it was so weird Proper having fans. such so many huge fans like, all together, <laughs> and we were just all melting. Ridiculous. Yeah. God, that was such a good concert. Has there been anyone that you've, in the last, you know, two, three years in your kind of journey um, into making music that you've met and you've been properly starstruck by? Or Ooh, good, good question. And by starstruck, I don't mean kind of like in the sense of, you know, just that genuinely like, wow, like your work has meant so much to yes. me. It's really cool to meet Literally you. Literally this week. Who? I met. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I went to the, the, the part. I met Angela Webber. And oh I went up to him and I was like, you are the reason I write songs. Because my dad used to take me to musicals every other weekend, you yeah. know. He's obsessed. Yeah. And Angela, like, out of everyone I've met, yeah. and I've met probably people that would be, oh. Yeah. But Andrew Webber, and he gave me his card. It says Lord <gasps> Webber on it. It's got his number on it. It's amazing. Wow. That was a, prop, that was a proper <laughs> moment. And yeah. that just shows... Yeah. I'm a grandma. There is some t- points in life where you do, if you do come across a, an individual like that and you just think, gosh, actually... No, I you actually abs- mean a yeah. lot to me. Not just, mm. oh, my God, I'm such a fan. You know, no. it's, it's like, this is so meaningful yeah. to have had that in- mm. interaction. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, it's interesting. Just the, it's all just people, though, isn't it? I know. Because then... They've yeah, also I been inspired really... by other someone else. And yeah. They've also got their own lives and yeah. things that they're contending yeah. with. For sure. It's mm. funny. Don't get weird. <laughs> I get weird when I'm like listening to mm. I'm listening to the song I'm just obsessed with. I mm. get all weird. But if I met it's not it's almost like it's not really the person. I know. I feel like music yeah. comes through people so mm. much that mm. it's not really them as people. Have you ever had a song like that that you've written for seven, like a couple mm. of minutes? Vacation came out in like three minutes. Really? Wow. And mm. how old were you when you wrote that? Mm. Seventeen, sixteen. Wow. Is that also quite weird, performing something that you wrote so many years ago? Yeah. Was it different every time? It's funny because it is different every time. It mm. doesn't... They all are just... It's the song, do you know what I mean? Mm. And it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, like it's not really the person or the mm. place, or it's just the song. And every time I perform any song or sing, it's so different. Yeah. And mm. it does mean something completely different to me each time. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, Temptation was one of those ones that was just like, yeah. me too. And everyone is so different. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I love, I love co-writing with people and working with other songwriters that I love. Like, I love their solo stuff. Mm. And mm. It's so interesting. How does that work? Do you just end up bouncing ideas around with each other? Yeah, or, like, different. somebody starts with something and then mm-hmm. you end up going and... Do you normally have the lyrics come first or the songs or combination? Completely is different every time. Do you write it down, like, on paper? 
when sometimes, you go or, or just voice on your phone. So it changes, changes. it changes. Sometimes it will just come so quickly that it's mm. just there. Mm. Or sometimes you'll start playing and then you'll hum a melody and you'll get the melody and the chords and everything and then you'll both kind of be like, fuck, we've got to do the whole bit. And I just sit at the aid for the rest of the day <laughs> trying to write the words. Wow. Or, it just changes every time, depending on the person and the. Have any of the day. songs on the EP been co-written? Um, yeah, thing is, it's also it was really interesting because I was so closed off to co-writing mm. for ages because I think it's my it was my ego being like mm. oh, I'm a songwriter and I know what's best <laughs> and it's <laughs> me, but actually doing it is is incredible. The third figure we're going to talk about today is a photograph that Delilah took when she was in Japan last year. And the reason we wanted to talk about this was just to reflect on kind of solo travel and being on your own because you spent three weeks in Japan. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Um, What was it about Japan that made you want to go there? I've always wanted to go to Japan. The culture has always really interested me and I find it really beautiful whole aesthetic of it and Mm. I've heard so much about it from really close people in my life that went and it's I thought I might as well Mm. go to Japan but you'd never been traveling before Mm -mm, never been traveling never alone Mm. it was what was it like crazy were you completely on your own oh yeah and I did the kind of I kind of purposefully isolated myself in the sense that I deleted all my at all my talking apps like, mm-hmm. so I couldn't really talk to anyone I didn't really speak to anyone mm. when I was out there did you have your guitar? no didn't have my guitar deleted all my music off my phone wow yeah it was like a real looking back on it um, self-destructive yet not thing yeah. to do do you know what I mean? Mm. yeah um, you purposefully put yourself extreme. in a very extreme position that's yes. what I love I mean yeah. I'm very like that I lo- mm. Mm. I love doing those kind of things. Mm. Um, but it was, it didn't really hit me until I got there. And it was really challenging and I felt very alone, but also incredible. It was very, a lot of extremes. Because I think one of the things that we have all talked about is that when you're travelling, you obviously are in a very privileged position and you're lucky to be there. And it's great to be seeing a new part of the world. And lots of people back home might be doing their nine-to-five jobs. Mm. And I will get sometimes messages from people going, are you having the best time? And I'm so jealous. And lots of very, like, hyper, mm. um, hyperbole messages. And mm. sometimes you're having the best time, but quite often you're having a really difficult time because mm. you are actually alone with your thoughts, especially if you're travelling alone, mm. that not that many talk about, people talk about enough when it comes to solo travel, because I think that's what makes it... But it's both the best and the worst thing about it, Mm. for me. It changes you as a person, Mm. definitely. And I think... I mean, I struggle with being alone now, even just at home, Mm. for the night, Mm -hmm. without any stimulation or without talking to people, Mm -hmm. let alone being in a culture that you don't know without anyone that you know around. You have to... It's almost like you can't, like I remember kind of being like, okay, hello, Delilah, you're a person, you know? Because yeah. yeah. it's so easy to lose Do you start yourself. talking to yourself? Totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And to not know your own company. It's almost yeah. like the inner child, like you're, you almost got to like, yeah, it's like an inner child, you've got to reconnect yourself. with yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, what do you want to do? Do you want to, yeah. do you want to go out? Do you, do you, you know? Mm. Whereas yeah. when you're with mm. people, it's great, but you can just become 
part of the yeah. environment massively. Because it's basically you purposefully removed all distractions. Yeah. And made sure that you could only be there with yeah. yourself. Yeah. And that must have been quite confronting. It was massively, and it was massively confronting musically because mm-hmm. my identity since I was six has been the musician and the one that's writing songs and that sings. Oh, and that's the singer, do you know what I mean? Um, And so being... It probably sounds insane, but it was the first time ever that I just wasn't a musician. I was just Mm. a person. And and, I know it sounds extreme, but just in my own head, my identity and my ego wasn't around music. And I remember purposefully the people I met, which wasn't that many, I was very much alone the whole time, Mm. because I wanted to be... Mm. um, I wouldn't talk about music or mention that I was a musician. Wow. And it was the mo- it was coming back to my job and to everybody else was really interesting because I came back with a sense of okay, I'm choosing to write music and to be in this mm-hmm. music industry. It's not just it's not a part of me as much as it is. Mm. It's not my identity mm-hmm. and so it allowed you to separate that mm, a bit, yeah. which was such such a good thing such a good thing because it's very very easy mm. to think that it's what you're worth it, it i kind of had this, i've always had this weird complex that people only like me because mm-hmm. they think i'm good at music, music. or they think mm. it's cool mm. um which just isn't true mm. and you know and there's so many more layers to one person and so by removing that layer you actually had to connect with lots of different yeah. other parts of your identity yeah and i was like oh, i love I could read, you know, maybe I'm good at other things or maybe, you know, I love reading. Mm. It sounds so mundane, but it just, for me, it was massively life-changing, weirdly. Georgia, have you ever done, like, a complete trip on your own? Mm, No, I don't think so. I'm trying to think, but if I can't think of it... No. ...then I definitely haven't. I've I've trapped, like, I've done... Like, I've travelled two places on my own. Mm. I know that sounds not really, like, mm. like, that big a deal. But, like, I, I, like, would go to Chicago and visit a friend. But, like, the interchanges between seeing a friend and then seeing my family and then seeing another friend, they were on my own. So mm. I'd have, like, periods of 24 hours, 48 hours mm-hmm. in a different city on my own. But never, never a, a trip completely on my own. Do you I, think you would choose to do that? <clears throat> yeah, I want to. I want to. I think I go through phases of being, like, scared of it, and then I really want to do it. Mm, scared scary. It. And then I really want to do it. Cause I, so scared. the first time I went travelling on my own, I was uh, 17, and I went to Italy, and as the history of art geek that I am, I um, just wanted to go and see all the art. Um, I was away for... See, I wasn't on my own for the whole time, but I think I was away for three weeks in total, and I think I only had a week where I wasn't with people... But I mm. had totally not prepared myself for it. I did not see it coming at all. And when I left my uncle, who'd been with me in Venice, and then I went to Verona, and I was staying in this really horrible Airbnb, mm. and I just was like, oh, my God, there's nobody here that I know. Mm. I don't know how to speak to people. What am I going to do? And and just so in my head the whole time, the whole day. Mm. And then when I got to Florence, it was much better because then I started meeting other women who were also travelling on their own and the boundaries just totally collapsed. It was so interesting. We had so many vulnerable conversations between the three of us 
that I never would have expected us to have. Mm. And we really shared lots of different things that were going on, put themselves well, out there. It's common vulnerability, isn't it? Yeah. Like common vulnerabilities are some mm. of the most powerful ways to connect to people. And all being oh, solo yeah. travellers as one of as an example of that is so true. And I feel like mm. group dynamics can just completely change how we relate to people. And if you're already in an established group, you yeah, so rarely true. meet anyone else, didn't you? Because you're so kind of together. Mm. Um, but Massive, yeah. yeah, and even if I'm, I quite like my own company actually. I would say that I was an extroverted introvert, so I actually really need to have time on my own mm. to sort of recover mm. from being around people. Other people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but then not for too long. Mm. Like when I first went to university, I was horrific. I was so homesick. I was so lonely, mm. like, like, bo- like to the bone, like mm. lonely. Um, and I think I, I think I do f- fear, maybe not even traveling on my own, maybe living on my own. Some, I think I just find both of those concepts. What if I feel like that again? It's like the fear of feeling that. I don't even know if I would, mm. but I'm just worried that I'd get quite scared of it. Yeah, it can be quite scary, but it's also, I think that once you know the value of it and you keep kind of putting yourself and pushing yourself you just mm. you know yourself so much better such a cliche but it really is true cliches exist for a reason no you do yeah it's they mad. yeah mm. and i think it's also for me with japan it was incredible and it was a year i think it was a year ago now mm. and only now now i'm kind of like craving going away again alone mm. whereas as soon as i came back i was like what the f- did I was I thinking I'm never <laughs> yeah. doing that again and I remember yeah. in my last few days yeah. I was thinking why am I still in Japan yeah I'm really you know it's really challenging in my head but now I'm kind of ready mm. to do that again and I don't know was that the longest period of time that you've never written music did oh, you write yeah yeah like I write music every day wow yeah weird that must have been so weird really fucking weird <laughs> <laughs> I have one more question, which okay. is, what would you tell 16-year-old Delilah? Oh, like, you're so great. There's nothing wrong with you. Mm. And you're really beautiful inside and outside. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Figure Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Figure Podcast and Twitter at Figure Podcast. Delilah, where can we find you? You can find me anywhere. You can find me on Spotify, Apple, Instagram, mm. Facebook, Amazon. Brilliant. Deezer, all the places. All the places. Find YouTube. Delilah, YouTube. <laughs> Charlotte, where can we find you? <laughs> where are you? Yeah, where in, are you? In Scotland. In Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> On a hill. <laughs> <laughs> At Arthur's Seat, my favourite place in the world.